Here we are on the slippery downhill slope of uncertainty post-market boom. And you might be asking yourself, should I really even buy my first home? As usual, there is no straight answer to that question. Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today we are talking about the rent versus buy debate. In the course, we go step by step through the process of buying your first home. But for many, there is a lot of navel gazing and self-contemplation that goes on well before this whole process starts. But before we get into that, um, we have another special house behind you in the video this week, uh, Megan. What it is? What what it is? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. This is what happens when you buy a duplex and. One owner decides to sell to a developer and the other one doesn't. All right. There, there's it's, half a duplex left and then there's a block of units beside it. That is disgusting. Isn't that that literally is like a house that's been carved in two. Cut in half. You know how you, uh, you, you might not see it as much in other states, but in Queensland, if you've got a, a timber tin house on stumps, you can actually cut them in half and transport them to another site. It actually reminds me of that. It's like, oh, they've taken half the place, but they haven't finished the job. There's like it's it's like half a house sandwiched up against a unit block. <laughs> but do you know there's actually a property in Canterbury, not Canterbury, in um, Lewisham in Sydney that is like that. It's a semi-detached house, so it's yeah. only single level, and it's yeah. like this sort of half a house shaved in in, in two. And then there's a five, I think it's four or five story block of units, a single skinny block, but weirdest looking thing ever. And it's actually been recently approved (laughs) and built in Lewisham. I've got a photo somewhere. I'll have to try and dig it out. Do, maybe that's your next time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So whereabouts is this one that you're in front of, Megan? I actually don't know. I I couldn't find the source of it. Um, Mm. It doesn't look like it's Australia. No, I, I think it's either European or American. What a shocker. Right, yeah. well, I'll definitely find you that one. <laughs> I've seen duplexes where they've painted, you know, people have painted quite differently and even half the stair treads are done and the other half aren't and, uh, you know, that that very, you know, well, if you're not going to join me, I'm going to do it on my own kind of attitude, but I've never but seen is, half a duplex. <laughs> this is next level, um, quite literally. All right. 
All right, so, well, Veronica, why do some people choose to rent rather than buy? Do you do you think like what it's it's There's not everybody's cup of tea, but there is some really good reasons why people do, and they're very individual. They are. You know, I'm going to give you the worst reason I think for renting rather than buying, and and there are good reasons. Don't I'm not one of these property bulls that says mm, you always got to buy, always got to buy. Yeah, yeah. But the worst reason is if actually you're a property bear and you're always absolutely negative about the property market. You think that it's unfair. You think that it shouldn't exist. It shouldn't happen this mm. way. That that. You know, it's not fair that prices keep rising. It's not fair that I have to save up 20% plus cost. It's not fair. And so they spend their whole life railing against the system, ranting against the system. They're never going to win, you know, because they are, you know, it's David and Goliath and they're David. Um, <laughs> and not like the David and Goliath story where David actually prevails. This is just where Goliath no, is just it, Goliath. You're never going to prevail over the property market. Let's you're just gonna... be brutally honest. You, you are just not going to beat the property market you might have good luck sometimes but you ain't gonna beat it <laughs> so you can have your one person protest for all you like but at the end of the day you're going to still be renting and other people you know will buy so that is the worst reason to rent i think but some, there are some good reasons to, to rent. rent or to not buy well not buy Essentially and then presumably rent. you're renting in order to live somewhere the, the other thing i think that's really um I think people really need to have a good hard look at themselves if they're not going to, if they're going to enter into the property market, but they are someone who just watches prices and news articles mm. and, and those sort of things so closely that it causes distress and anxiety to wonder what their property is worth on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. That kind of state of anxiousness could actually be really mental health-wise detrimental and could actually mean that it is better not to own a property. Yeah, like you should spend the money on some good therapy and maybe some <laughs> hypnosis rather than on a deposit. And I sort of say that a bit tongue-in-cheek, but I actually mean it at the same time because the problem is when with people that focus um, on the negative or focus on the fear of what they, what they fear will happen as opposed to, you know, take a moment, take a take step a back and think. a long-term view. And a long-term view, which property needs to be, mm -hmm. and take a moment think, is that true? Is that really likely to happen? Um, and whilst you're living in that state of anxiety, yes, it would be hell. And and I know because particularly in the elephant in the room on the other podcasts that I have, we often we get listener questions in all the time. And one of the really regular questions we get is along this sort of theme. When the market starts turning down, right, as it does, Cycles happen, right? Cycles. They'll go up, yeah, it will go down. That's the whole idea of cycles. Exactly. When the market starts turning or if it is on a decline, the people start panicking about the property that they own. The best antidote to that fear, apart from really having some therapy, if, and, and I, I mean that quite seriously, if, if this is something, you know, you are uh, that type of person where you do tend to focus on the negative all the time and really worry about things that you can't control, you know, you can do something about that in terms of your mindset, but but it's also a very uncomfortable place to be, particularly if you're bored at the peak, mm. you know, or if you're bored at a time of low interest rates and the interest rates start rapidly rising. You think, oh, what have I done? What have I done? What have yeah. I done? And it's a normal yeah, human reaction to that. Very uncomfortable. The best insurance policy, I think, is knowing that you bought a good asset, knowing that you bought with Quality. the long term in mind. Mm. Mm. And keeping that long term view, because if you look historically, that those markets do cycle as long mm. as you've bought a quality asset and paid the right price at the time of the purchase. 
because the right price is what you paid at the time, not what you could have paid 12 months before or what you could have paid 12 months after. It's making sure that the price that you paid at the time and getting that pricing right at the time of the purchase is is, is on track um, and not missing any, you know, any of those little intricacies in market changes, being aware mm. if, if, if you've got to change your pricing index, um, indexation and get that tweaked. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think for people who have that, you know, even some um, people that come from, um, you know, doing day trading or just trading in um, the markets, that mindset of watching the ups and downs and trying to time their ins and outs, it's the mindset you do not need if you want to be a property owner. And if that is your mindset, then property is probably not the asset class that is going to suit your psychology. And it's not even that you know that they have done studies on people who, who like share market traders who you know try to ride market trends up and down and try to buy stocks and pick stocks and candle sticking is a classic you know you just you can't do that in property because it's not liquid no you can't but the problem is there actually have been studies in the stock market to show that the people that are more active and do that actually over the long term don't do as well financially they have lower returns than those who take the time to pick good stock believe and and rely on their decisions and the research that they made and the good decisions they made in the first place and then have the confidence mm-hmm. to ride out those times. And they don't go in there and meddle and fiddle and all the rest of it. And actually they end up being better off financially over time. So there is a principle there that applies to property because, yes, you can't tweak it, you can't fiddle with it, you can't work out daily what the price is. And so, therefore, if you've done the same thing as those those better performing traders that actually Put the hard yards in before you buy. Make sure you bought bought a good asset, and then trust in that you'll do fine. Yeah, keep that long term mindset. So, other reasons that people might choose to rent rather than buy might be that you know that that big hurdle that so many people face, and it is just so hard to to save the deposit. Mm. It is so hard to gather that money. There are a lot of sacrifices that people need to be be making in order to do that. And, you know, to find that 20% or maybe a bit less if you choose to go with lenders mortgage insurance, it's a big, long haul for a lot of people to actually get to that point. And then once you've got to that point, sort of handing it, almost feeling like you're handing it over to to somebody else to take away that two or three or five years that you've spent saving the deposit, um, that, that can be a sacrifice that some people are just not prepared to make. And on the flip side of that, because there are government incentives, which we've spoken about in many other episodes, yeah. so go back and listen to them, particularly the deposit um, guarantee uh, incentives. You know, the federal government has a 5% deposit guarantee and a 2% for certain um, certain people. Mm. And, you know, the risk with that is that you have to borrow a lot, a much higher proportion. And obviously, as interest rate rises, there's the affordability or otherwise of your repayment. So there's a reason to rent, particularly if the market's stagnant or falling, there's no urgency to get into it. Take your time to save that deposit up rather than trying to get in early because, you know, that re- you know, the more repayments that you have and there's also the risk of actually having negative equity as well if prices are falling. So there's a very good reason to rent if you have not saved that amount of yeah. money. And, and actually, just following on from that, you did an Elephant in the Room episode with Eliza Owen recently um, where she mentioned that it actually now takes about six times annual income to buy a property. So that's roughly mm. the calculation. Now, if you think about that, depending on where you are and, and, and what your property prices are, that's, that's an awful lot 
to feel in terms of a, a long-term commitment for some people. Um, and of course, sometimes it's, it's well, generally it's cheaper to rent a similar property um, in an area to what you would have to pay to buy it. So you're sacrificing a lot of lifestyle um, if you choose to buy rather than rent. And just to clarify that six times, this is like the borrowing um, and the you're borrowing six times your annual income, so plus whatever you've saved to put forward. And that's quite a high ratio, particularly mm. with interest rates rising, whereas when the interest rates were lower, people were borrowing sort of on average um, a lower multiple of their income. And so it's risk, you know. So I think that that's the other thing, I guess that's what you're, you're talking to there, is that some people are quite happy to take that risk if it's a multiple of four times what they're earning, mm. whereas other people, as it gets higher, aren't. And only you know your future earning capacity. You know, you know whether you're at the beginning of your career and whether you're expected to get good bonuses and as you get more experience and get um, promotions and all the rest of it, or you know whether you're in, you know, you're at a plateau, a plateaued or, you know, stage of your career where that's not necessarily going to be the case, um, or if you're about to have kids and there's drop down to one income. So, I mean, mm -hmm. you know your circumstances and so there's very good reasons that some people choose not to buy. It's very hard, though, when the market's rising rapidly. And so, you know, we're in 2022 now. We're not worried about that anymore. But certainly 2021 was a very different, very different conversation. Yeah, yeah. Of course, renting is more flexible too. You, mm. If you're coming towards the end of your lease and you think, I don't really don't like this neighbourhood, then it's much easier to move than if you've purchased property and, and you've got quite a lot of cost to sell and repurchase or um, move on from a property that you own yourself. So that's, I, I think that's a big reason for some people who may be earlier in their careers, who may mm. be move, potentially moving around for work, maybe going into state, you know, we will get to work, live and work overseas again one day. Um, and that flexibility to move from one situation to another is is a little more limited when you do own the property rather than just renting it off somebody else. Yeah, totally. And, you know, there's also the idea that, you know, some people like to get into the market as soon as they can. So they mm. buy something really small and then they outgrow it really quickly. And then there's a lot of costs associated with that. And they may not have bought a really good asset in the first place, which allows them to do that stepping stone to the next the next property. So there's a very good reason for people in that situation not to buy, you yeah. know, to wait. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the reasons that people buy rather than rent. Like what, what are some of the motivators that actually say to someone, I know I can pay money to somebody else and probably have a bigger house in a better area for the same sort of money, but you know what? I'm going to buy. And I, I think, you know, I think back to the first time when I was thinking about I'd finished university, started full-time work, and I was thinking, I want to get a house. And I and I think back and I think, why was it that I wanted to do that? Because it was a dump. Like, it was not a nice <laughs> living arrangement. <laughs> it was a full renovator, falling oh, off the stumps. You were young. I was young and I could see the vision and I was all enthusiastic. But what in the world was I thinking? And I think there was, you know, for me, it was about that financial security, that having something, this money was going somewhere and I felt like for myself, it was going to be going more to me if I owned the property than absolutely not going to me if I was paying rent to somebody else. So, now a lot of people feel that sense of this is an investment, even though it's something I'm living in. Um, it is a financial, you know, piece, I own a piece of 
actual real estate uh, that I can put my hand on and I I might have my shares over there or I might have my superannuation over there, but this thing I can see and touch and live in touch. it. Well, absolutely. I, I think it's in our Australian psyche very much to own property, mm. let's face it. it's it, For those of us that are born and bred here, it's been it's been something that's been a, on a national agenda since World War II, since the end of World War II, you know. So, and certainly, you know, whether you, even if you've migrated here, you look around and you think, well, most people own, so therefore you're going to want to do that too, I would imagine. Part of the culture. Yeah, it is part of the culture, yeah. and but also there are some very there's psychological benefits to owning your own home, but there's also uh, you know financial benefits. So you you have that feeling of security, and obviously that stability of having your roof over your head, and, and you can hammer nails in the wall. Feeling of I'm not going to get kicked out. Yes, that's it. That's a big thing. I'm not going to kick out, and no one can tell me I can't hang up that picture. That's you know, <laughs> and these I can are, have a dog if I want it. Absolutely, <laughs> unless I'm in an apartment, then they've got a draconian rules. But yeah, I mean, that this is the thing. I've got some level of autonomy or agency mm. in my in my world, right? And so that's a good thing, and and having that security. And but the simple fact is that the people who enter into retirement, so we're fast forwarding through your life here, but the people that enter into retirement without a home. Um, statistically speaking, are worse off than the people who enter retirement with a home. So there's a very good financial reasons, um, you know, at the other end of your life if you're starting off. Or for some of our listeners, we know you're a similar age to us yeah. and you haven't yet necessarily bought or because of a relationship breakdown at some point or for some other reason, you're actually at the moment effectively like a first home buyer. You know, Bye. you don't have a home mm -hmm. and you would like to get one. So these are very, very real issues and and having a home um, isn't a massive advantage financially in this country. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and certainly those studies um, and, and I even think about, you know, people who I know in my, my parents' um, sort of age bracket who made other choices other than purchasing their own home, living their own home and a lot of that was around flexibility and travel and mm. Um, children moving in different places and, and and needing to be a bit more um, mobile, they're um, they're probably doing a little bit tougher, um, mm. particularly during this difficult rental time where uh, you know some investors are selling out of their rental properties and and you've got this ha need to move that you haven't designed yourself but has been forced upon you by a situation of somebody else making a decision to liquefy liquefy to. <laughs> Liquidate. <laughs> liquidate. We're not liquefying well, anything. Liquefy. Uh, to liquidate their investment property and that sense of um, impermanence and, and, and no control over your future and your home situation can be um, a, a really difficult thing to cope with in an older age group. Well, yeah, because generally speaking, you're on a fixed income when you've retired. Mm. You know, whether it's a pension or whether it's actually self-funded, it's mm. still pretty fixed. Um, and so you don't have the flexibility um, and also you don't have the, the, you've got all your established networks and everything in mm. place where you live. You know, we've been hearing some horror stories um, of people that have had to move 60 k's away from where they've been for 20, mm. 30 years, mm. you know, because they've been displaced because of the rental crisis at the moment. So obviously that security of owning your own home um, is a protection against that. Mm. And look, I mean, obviously there's flexibility, you know, the flexibility with renting when you're younger is a real benefit, but obviously as as you're older, it's not flexible at all. It's pretty horrible. Yeah, yeah, and and, and really difficult to cope with. And uh, you think about some people that might have been in their homes for 10, 20 years, mm. and that, that's a lot to move, not just 
you know, mentally, but physically, that's a lot of stuff often for a lot of people to move. Um, I think, the, you know, we talked a, a little bit about my mindset when I was buying, and that was around paying off an asset rather than paying money to somebody else. But also that feeling of rent being dead money, um, mm. and and that's that's a, it's a little bit of a colloquial term, but it it is it is really part of our psyche that I, I'm paying to live in something, but really I'm getting nothing out of it. Well, mm. you sort of are. You're getting a roof over your head, and it's a roof where you want to live and with the features and so forth that you want to live in, but you're not seeing any long term return for it, as opposed to people who look at buying a property as a way of sort of investing their money into an asset that they have a level of of um, ability to do control over in the long term. Well, and that's very true, this whole concept of dead money. I know I've rented at various parts of my life and I've, I've really hated it. I've really hated that sense. It does feel like you're throwing money away, mm. whereas but, you know, a lot of people buy their own homes, they're throwing money away too because they've bought really bad assets. So, you know, there are times <laughs> if the option is to buy something that's crap and it's going to go down in value or not go up in value, then sometimes it's actually cheaper to rent in a better area. You might than- lose less money yeah. renting. Yeah. yeah. So it, it is a bit case by case, but it's a general rule of thumb. You know, if you can afford to buy uh, at some point and you know you're going to be able to buy a good asset, then financially long-term for you, it's got to be better. And obviously giving you that that security as well. So we're obviously advocates for people owning their own homes, but we're we're pragmatic and we're not we're not property. It's not bulls. for everybody. Yeah. No, I mean, we talk bulls. about students who have actually gone through the course and and in the process of doing some self analysis have actually said, you know what, buying is not for me, and that's or not that's, for me now. Not for me now. Yeah, mm. and and that's go- that's actually good because the last thing you want to do is force yourself into a situation that you've then got to unravel at some point in time in the future because you haven't been able to think that through. Yeah, well, we had a very good episode because we were really blessed. It was um, Melissa Mill, I should say. Now I'm trying to think when was it? When did we interview Mel about her? Um, she lost money on her first property. That was episode seventy nine. And she shared that, that when she was 23, fresh out of university with her now husband, but back then a boyfriend, mm. you know, that they felt that that was that, that's what you should do. You yeah. know, so it's rather than actually sit down and consider, oh, hang on a minute, what are the implications? What are the ramifications of us doing that? Um, do we really need to follow what everyone else is doing? Yeah. You know, is yeah. it right for us? You know, what flexibility do we need? All that sort of stuff. So, you know, we I think we're very thankful for her to come on to this uh, onto the podcast and share her story because people don't often share those mm. those stories that don't have you know nice lovely happy endings. We're hoping there's a happy ending at some point for her in the near future. Yeah, um, she's on the pathway now. But yeah, more enlightened absolutely. and and better educated. So knowing what to think about, when to think about it, how to act and and what steps to take and I I think that's a big one as well because you're right. Do you know I I don't know the last time that I read an investment property investment magazine that talked about the the pitfalls or someone's losses or mistakes that were made because often people don't want to admit to those but they also don't realize that they've made those sorts of mistakes until 10 15 down years down the track or when they go to try and refinance a property to purchase another one or go to sell so the realization of the error often doesn't happen until much further down the track when there is a mistake um, whereas often you can see along the way um, if you've, you've purchased well and you've got a good quality asset and you're refinancing, getting it revalued, you can actually see that growth along the way. So I think the absence of those sorts of realistic stories 
um, can be quite detrimental because you've, you've got to learn from other people's mistakes. And you know, that's one of the big reasons why we've created the course is we don't want people to realise mistakes 10 or 20 years down the track. We actually want them to go in eyes wide open and, and making the steps in the right order and, and thinking things through and, and not just throwing themselves at the first thing they can afford. Now, you probably, if you're a regular listener, you will have heard some of our episodes where we deconstruct some of these news stories. And this, we want to, <laughs> I want to draw a distinction here because what Megan's saying is that people don't share their personal losses and the true losses are realised, you know, years down the track when that's when you go, oh, right, that's the issue. However, there's some disaster stories which often make headlines and they're usually short-term <laughs> problems yes. and usually very, very avoidable. So yes. that's <laughs> – but the long and sad sorry stories don't hit don't hit the media because they are not as sensationalist. Yeah, but but of course, when people get together who are like minded around property and property investment, they talk about their wins. They talk about the great oh, property yeah. they bought, the you know, the great investments they've made, the you know fabulous location and the upside and the growth corridors and mm. and all sorts of things that aren't necessarily uh, what you need to be focused on. So. I guess that was more more the direction I was going with with that one. But yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. Aren't there every other day? There's a, a case study about somebody who, um, and we're going to be doing an episode on this coming up soon. You know, somebody who didn't know about a cost, and you know, mm. it's blown them out of the water, or nobody told me about this, and and um, <laughs> you, you, that that makes great reading. It, it does <laughs> headline grabbing. It's ba- clickbait. And it just it shows the misunderstandings around property buying. But more of that in future episodes. <laughs> well, I think, you know, regardless of, of whether you you know have that mindset of I do want to buy my first property or I don't think I want to buy my first property, I, I think the most important thing is to make sure that you get yourself educated and get that that full picture. Mm. Don't just have a chat with a couple of people, your boss, your parents, your friends, and and take what they're doing on board because they might not have anywhere near the the kind of strategies or future goals that you have. It's it's actually about making sure that you don't just make a decision based on a couple of pieces of information, but you you really gather the information that's going to help you make the decision that's right for you as to whether renting or buying is best for you short-term and potentially long-term. Absolutely. And just before we wrap up this episode, I want to touch on the fact there's currently a lot of negative press, right? We started this podcast at the beginning of 2021 and we just had a whole year of ridiculous boom and now we're in the round about the middle of um, 2022, heading into the, the sort of final stretch of 2022. And it's all completely the opposite. So when when the the papers and and everyone's talking up the property market, prices are rising, you're worried that you're going to miss out, then, of course, there's, this is this natural, I don't want to I don't want be left behind, I want to be part of this. Yeah. Whereas in 2022, it's absolute turn on its head. Now, both Megan and I have been around the property game for over 20 years each, and we have seen these cycles go up, we've seen the cycles go down, and he, and, and I always just think, ah, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> But if you read the There's papers, some indicators, we're moving. We're going in the opposite direction. Yeah, exactly. And if you believe the papers, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is it. This is the end of the property market never in Australia. Been so bad. And it's never going to get good again. You know, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous and really annoying. 
So you've sort of got to have a, once again, we always bang on about the long-term view. The long-term view is so important so that you don't run around knee-jerking because yep. I've already spoken to people who, who bought last year and automatic and now want to sell. They feel like they're catching a falling knife. It's like, oh, stop, 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 stop. Um, because, you know, fast forward five years, if you sold now, you'll regret it. Yeah, I can absolutely. absolutely guarantee that. Look historically and, and see even if you bought at the peak of the last market, and then rode the downhill, you'd be well above what you would have to pay to get back into that same property today as it is if you didn't buy back then. And the exception are these crap properties you shouldn't <laughs> buy in the first place. <laughs> Comes back to asset selection, doesn't it? In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.